good games. We can do that. We can talk about games. We actually um, have games to talk about. We have games to talk about on the Enemy Slime yeah. podcast, which is what and, you're and listening to. And they're not to. terrible. <laughs> it's what you're listening to right now. This is episode 221. I'm your usual host, Jared, and I'm joined today by Mr. Lucio Lorenzino. Hello, everybody. I have Mr. J. Joseph Jr. Fun fact. Marvel has to put out a Captain Marvel book every two years or they lose the trademark and it defaults. That's like the Fantastic Four. They have to make a Fantastic Four movie uh, every once in a while in order to hold on to the license. Um, yep. There's some great Marvel movies. That actually explains a lot. There's a Captain America movie <laughs> that has a similar kind of kind of thing to it. Back before they knew what to do with Captain America, which, by the way, not to dwell on Marvel forever, because uh, I'm already so, so tired of it. But I just have to say, I'm astounded that they made Captain America popular. Like, that's, I don't think that we really sit and acknowledge how impressive that is. Well, I have, if it, it's I have okay said because it if, several if, times, but sure. It, it, it's okay, because if Marvel Publishing has anything to do with it, they will undo all that work. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> all I know is when I was a kid, nobody fucking cared about Captain America. No, you're right. I, my, my, a, a friend and I were like talking recently about how he, he was confused, complaining, like because we were talking about uh, earlier uh, fake nerd fanboys and and talking about how Captain Marvel was going to come in and ruin everything. So his that point was, was me. like, "We're talking to me. What do you mean, a friend?" No, 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 no. no, no, no. There's someone. There's someone else I was talking to, and he was talking about. Uh, okay. We, you and I were talking about the fake nerd fanboys. He talked to more speaking, than one person about this. No, 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 no. Speaking I, I to betrayed. Lucio. I feel about fake nerd fanboys and comic books. This reminded me of a conversation with an actual fake nerd fanboy because he was like, you know, the, the point of he's like, there's no point in a Captain America movie because no one fucking like I mean, a Captain Marvel movie because no one fucking likes Captain Marvel. And it's, you know, n- no one cares about her. And and it's just it's just going to be fucking dumb and waste money. But if you look at like the Marvel Cinematic Universe owned by Marvel and put out by Marvel, that has been all of their superheroes. It's like baffling that they made these people likable and big names yeah, and all because that. They sold the <laughs> they sold the cool ones. Exactly. They sold all the good ones. They sold all the ones that people know and people wanted and then they had these fucking losers left and they made that work. <laughs> Thor was dead when they fucking came out with the movie. He's he had been dead for like fifteen years or some shit. Yeah. I don't want to like so, I don't want to like rain on everybody's parade, but uh, in doing further research, I've discovered that the Cyber Frog Indiegogo might not be legit. Uh, oh, Cyber Frog! That puts a downer on the whole podcast. Well, especially because they raised five hundred thirty-eight thousand dollars. So if it's uh-huh. if it's not real, <laughs> it's going to be very unfortunate. Fuck is this shit? Okay, time I, to run. Now, now I'm curious. Dude, I told you everyone loves Cyber Frog, and he may or may not be coming back. It, it's looking like maybe he's coming back, um, but uh, it it's not for sure. Um, this the the new one is called Blood Honey, and the cover has him tearing a bee's head off, a giant bee, mind you. Uh, I don't want you to think that it's a small, regular sized bee because that wouldn't be <laughs> that wouldn't be an impressive heroic feat. Um, no one would be impressed, but, but it would be if Cyberfrog were allergic to bees. It's worth mentioning that the giant bee also has a skull and crossbones on his head. So he's got a he's got a skull I'm looking at it on now. his head. So he's like a punk bee. He's like a yeah. He's a really like heavy metal bee. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to research this later because I really want to know if uh, if Cyberfrog is actually back. Um, but if he is, that's really exciting. And if he's not, maybe we should do something about that. Maybe we should talk about what to do there. Uh, the first thing too. is that he needs a cinematic movie. You could turn to a super franchise and it can be the Cyberfrog verse. Oh, so the guy, here we go. Here's the here's the official story. He launched an Indiegogo to reboot Cyberfrog. He made $500,000 and then some people saw it and they created a fake Kickstarter for also for Cyberfrog and raised a bunch of money. Um the, but they're not associated with it or anything. Oh wait, no, by a bunch of money, it looks like they raised $47. They absconded with $47. <laughs> this is terrible. This is this is exactly uh this is exactly the problem. So are we getting Cyber Frog or not? What's like the point? What's what's going on here? Yeah, it looks like we are actually getting uh The people need to know. Uh and actually I didn't realize this when I was little, but it looks like uh Ethan Van Skyver, the author of Cyber Frog, it actually looks like he's probably like an alt-right uh, guy. So that's cool. That explains why Cyberfrog so nonchalantly killed a man with a brick. Um, he was a poor. Uh, yeah, he's, he tweets a lot about SJWs. and Oh, good. And how they're ruining everything. That's always great. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, hey, you've... Just like everybody's favorite winner, Scott Adams. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just like that. And actually, if Cyberfrog met Dilbert, that would be pretty cool. Uh, oh no, he could kill Dilbert with a brick, <laughs> as, he's, as he's known for doing. I will read that. Um, hey, speaking of killing Dilbert with a brick, you guys have been playing some uh, some games this week. Yep, we have. None of which involve killing Dilbert with a brick, but unfortunately, no. But they both involve a lot of killing. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, so Michael kind of already talked about uh, your game, Lucio, um, but you are now experiencing it in English, which I'm sure yeah. is probably a different, uh, a whole different ball game. Um, no, we'll still explode. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that people were going to explode less. Uh, for those catching up here, this is the uh, Fist of the North Star. What what did the American translation wind up being called? Uh, Lost Paradise. Lost Paradise. That's right. I don't know enough about Paradise Lost. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes more sense actually. Um, and and how are you finding it? I fucking love it so far. Are you? Uh, have you played like other games in the Yakuza series, or is this the first for you? No, I played a few of them. Uh, I was actually never much into them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I found them kind of. So I played uh, two, three, and four. Oh, okay. I always found them kind of janky and, I guess, I... old. Like they were kind of old and kind of busted. But a lot yeah. of my complaints that I used to have with the Jagusa games have kind of been addressed. Um, like the UI doesn't feel like it belongs in a PS2 game anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So. You you might enjoy the uh, you might enjoy some of the remakes then because they they're pretty similar and actually what I saw uh, of the game when we were in Japan um, 
looked very much like I was playing Yakuza Zero at the time, and I was even thinking like, "Holy shit, this is the exact same thing." Except so, the best thing of the Yakuza games, the combat system is the same one that they have in the Fist of the Northern Star game, right? Uh, which is good. Uh, so, if you're gonna rip off something from Yakuza, that's the thing to rip off of. Um, plus, they have the uh, you know horrific finishing moves that can shield the last of people um, in the name of justice, I guess. <laughs> so that's very satisfying. So they have definitely the best parts. Um, the whole semi-open world thing that Jakusa has works surprisingly well in this game. Really, I wasn't expected to enjoy it this much. I mean, admittedly, um, I don't, I don't know enough about Fist of the North Star as a franchise to say whether I would have expected it to work or not. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I guess it makes sense that it would have open world, but it's not the first thing I think of. <laughs> I think this is the North Star. If you no, yeah, I agree. It's if you could have, if you could have given the property of Fist of the North Star to another developer, who would you have given it to, Lucio? Telltale Games. Telltale Games. <laughs> great, <laughs> no. great pick. Uh, and actually, you know what? Uh, they, there's probably some people from there who are free, so maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's worth it. That's what I need. I need Kenshiro to talk for, you know, whatever, five hours or however those games are. I actually uh, do think a Fist of the North Star game like that can make you feel pretty like a horrible human being. You make some pretty bad choices. Uh, I mean, th- there's only one choice with Kenshiro, and that is to blow that guy up or not. Yeah, that's normal. That's <laughs> what we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I look like that. Uh, so the thing about Fist of the North Star is that it's, I was already spoken to this, but it, it's retarded, right? Like, it's a stupid fucking series where, like, the evil guys are evil for no reason and nothing makes sense but it's just fucking great it's a it's a um, machismo power I, fantasy for children basically like it's it's uh yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it uh and obviously whoever made this game had some love for the source material mm-hmm. because the first thing that happens in the game is like you're walking around like some guy just like goes up to you he, he like you ask him a question and he just gets mad at you for asking him a question and he attacks you. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Why not? Because that's how Fist of Another Stand rolls, right? Like she yeah. was just running around and then like some guy just like starts shit and he just blows him up. Yeah. I I mean that's what yeah, you do. Sure. That's what when someone uh when someone speaks ill to you, you blow them up. Right. That's that's, a, that's the oldest uh, trick in the book. That's how I got promoted at my job. <laughs> Just like that might come back to haunt you later, but for right now, great job. Excellent. So, yeah, so it's obviously, um, you know, like a labor of law, but you get to like relive some of the classic scenes from the anime. So I guess it's kind of like a sequel of sorts, because it starts when you kill Shin, who is the um, oh wow! The, the guy that kidnaps your girlfriend at the yeah. beginning of uh, the series. So he's actually the boss for the tutorial. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, "Oh, I'm fighting Shing. Oh, Shin is dead. Okay." <laughs> um. So that's how it starts. So everything else is new. A new storyline, you mean? Yeah. Interesting. So uh, and the does, it end, does it end with you basically being the Highlander? 
God, I hope so. <laughs> there can be only one. All right. So, all in all, would you recommend this this uh, Fist of the North Star title? Yes. To uh, to to people who like Fist of the North Star, presumably, I, I don't think I would play this. Did you? Did this come out as a box copy? Like, wait, you? Yeah. Wait, hold on, hold on. Sorry, I'm sorry. Wait, you said you would not play it? I don't think so. Why not? I don't really understand the appeal. <laughs> if I'm being honest, like, like I don't understand the appeal of blowing people it, up. Like, no, like, like for I'll, example, here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jet. I already know the answer to this question. I'm like, did you like Dragon Ball Z when you were a kid? God no. Really? Uh, no, I fucking hate that shit. Uh, and yeah. I and I not as a, not not now, but I'm like as a kid. No, I was so boring. I went to my friend's house once. <laughs> And he he had rented like so. Remember, I grew up in a time when like if you wanted to watch anime, you did it on like tapes and you rented them from Blockbuster and you could see you and like, I we all did that at the time. Guys. You could you could see like three episodes at a time if you were lucky. And I don't know how the fuck he did it, but my friend somehow got like four Dragon Ball Z tapes from Blockbuster. And I went over to his house and he's like, "Let's watch these." And I was like, "Okay, that sounds good." That was the worst, like, four hours of my life. It was... It was I mean, it was all, like, just where they sat around screaming. I got into... Like, I tried to watch that shit as an adult, and it's impossible. It was just... I, I had to watch random YouTube clips of the moments I liked. And they were so impossibly short. They're, like, 30 seconds long. I'm like, I, I could have sworn this was worth more of my time when I was a kid. You I should would, have seen Knights of the Zodiac and all that. That was even worse. I would have rather watched the uh, X-Men Savage Lands miniseries five times in a row with no breaks. So, 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 so Jared, I mean, not sorry. Uh, Doug was basically saying for whatever weird broadcasting thing you guys had over there, that's all you ever got from X-Men. <laughs> yeah, if, if you turned on, <laughs> if you turn, so first of all, first of all, X-Men was like appointment viewing on Saturday, like, <laughs> And it was it was perfect because it was on right at the time when I would actually be awake, um, because I even as a kid like I couldn't wake up for cartoons. I wanted to watch like The Tick, but The Tick's like a seven thirty a.m. cartoon. That shit ain't happening. What kind um, of fucking kid doesn't wake up at seven thirty in the morning? Dude, no way. Yeah, I was able to do that as a kid. And, no way. And just watch cartoons. You didn't, you didn't even on purpose. You just woke up. You were awake because you're a kid. I'm a, I'm a ten o'clock guy, and I have been my whole life. And that was when X Men came on. Well, I'm a ten o'clock guy now. There I mean, was, like, but as a kid, I there was like it. a uh, there was like a nine out of ten chance when you turned on X Men that it was the episode where they're in the Savage Lands. So, 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 see, here's the thing. Like, even the, I, I don't know why it was so early for you. X Men was like right before lunch where I was growing up, and yeah. then so he was two time zones away. Yeah, ten thirty, ten, ten to ten thirty was X Men, and then after X Men, I, I think that was when it started transitioning to uh, wrestling. So that was when, yeah, when that's right. Right. or that or right. like uh, actually when I was younger, maybe, maybe like American Gladiators. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. And they had the and what was the other one they had that was like. Uh, uh, the fake martial arts tournament. I know that was my favorite one, and I can't think of <laughs> I can't think of what it was called. Uh, but that it was like, and everyone was like themed fighters, so it was like wrestling. Uh-huh. It was martial arts, so it was like, God, the I Japanese one. No, it wasn't. It, like they they had like one or two Asian guys, like the Asian fighter. I think his name was Tsunami or something. But oh, it was uh, it was WMAC Masters. That was it, dude. That I, was the one. I fucking love this show <laughs> so much. <laughs> Because before the UFC, there used to be uh, 
MMA kind of league in Japan that was actually like performance based and not not to like derail this but a lot of the like fake martial artist guys that then went to uh on to like you know make videos and like sell like videos like on the back of comic books then you know you can kill somebody with like one hit um I, I, actually I, I, made their name there they weren't actually fighters they were actors so i i, I you know i have I, to that, say that, uh i have to say one thing about this uh, one one observation there are I would if you had asked me how many episodes were there of the X-Men cartoon, I would have t- <laughs> I would have told you uh I would have told you maybe five. Um but there were uh, but there were seventy-six. Now yeah. co- conversely, yeah. conversely, if you asked me how many episodes there were of WMAC Masters, <laughs> I would have I would have told you seven hundred. I would have been like, oh my god, there were a million episodes. It went yeah, on forever. Like, it's like no, stop. They there made only two seasons and twice an episode, seriously. They made, they made twenty-six. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like that was going on like forever. That's like so I, I so so what you're saying, Lucio, sounds kind of like this. I I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled a thing that they did a lot at the times, which is how we like like got Power Rangers and all the four kids anime where they like would send someone over to Japan. They'd be like, yeah, this is cool. Let's let's, let's repackage it for an American audience and give us some bullshit. Uh, WMC Masters is an American live action television show produced by Norman Grossfield, featuring choreographed martial arts fights. Uh, it was created. It was actually created and produced by four kids. I didn't know that. Uh, in conjunction with Renaissance Atlantic Films and syndicated by the Summit Media Group, the show, while featuring real martial arts by trained martial artists, depicted a fantasy setting using fictional episodic stories. With each episode relating a life lesson, battles were fought on elaborate closed sets with an omniscient uh, narrator, on-screen scoring, and health gauges. I forgot about the health gauges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they had you, 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 they had health gauges. <laughs> Um, and then look at that picture of the cast, and I really, I, I know, I really want you to look at the guy on the right, like <laughs> who, if you, if you just, if he wasn't wearing a karate gi, he would look just like an investment banker, like he's just like, ah, oh, hey, I'm, I'm here to day trade, but instead he put on, he put on a, a shiny gold karate gi, and then he went out to do battle, and uh, fuck Jay, I am so glad that you mentioned this because this. Remembering this is the greatest thing ever. And there was like <laughs> there was like an arc where the black guy like died, but he came back as like a robot. Yeah. He had yeah. like he had like a camera over his eye. And oh dude, this was the shit. And holy hell, it is like crazy storm here. I don't know if that's coming through on the mic, but uh Yeah, no, we got one we got one here too, so it's everywhere. Damn. Alright, well that's pretty impressive. Uh but yeah, anyway, WMAC Masters uh that was some shit and um i love it as i'm very happy. I, I actually i actually found a, 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 a picture of the black guy coming back as a robot did you <laughs> yeah, oh a- man <laughs> i uh, uh i'm pretty sure my friend had an action figure of him as <laughs> as the robot that um, sounds right but but early on he was not a robot and i don't know i don't know if it happened in the it story called- it was called Fighting Network Rings, but I don't think it's the same one that you're talking about because I don't remember seeing that guy. You don't remember seeing a guy who was a robot with dreadlocks? Yeah, was, they, they didn't go. They didn't quite go quite that far in Japan. This was way before Mortal Kombat had that idea. Like Mortal Kombat, yeah, they got robots with dreadlocks, but it took the. You know what? Years. 
this looks like fucking Mortal Kombat. Like, I think that that, like, that must have been where, like, you know what this would be? This would be a great game. Yeah, no, I think I think that's probably what was happening is they wanted Mortal Kombat money. Yeah, that's him. There he is with his stick. <laughs> he had a he had a metal staff, which would never be allowed. You shouldn't be fighting with that. Oh man, this was this was my shit right here. This this shit oh was so good. Uh, so, so you would totally buy a, a, a Yakuza game based on WMAC Masters? Then. I, I wouldn't even think about it. Uh, it wouldn't even. <laughs> I would. I would back a Kickstarter uh, for a Yakuza WMAC Masters game. Uh, and would you give it five hundred million dollars? Uh, well, they they only got five hundred thousand, but but yeah, I would. I wish I could remember the guy's name. Look, man, making robots is expensive. Uh, all right, this is there's probably like a wiki for this. I bet I can probably download the whole TV show somewhere. Yeah, maybe it even, might just be up on YouTube. I'm wondering now if there's like a Blu-ray. I wanna, I wanna watch it on Blu-ray, baby. And there is going for gold slash. Br- oh wait, this is a VHS tape. <laughs> oh no. Oh boy, I think this might be. Just see it in, in glorious 4K. This might be relegated to VHS. Uh, yeah, that's that's fucking tragic that I'm not going to be able to enjoy this in uh, in glorious 4K HD like it really deserves. But all right, well, um, God, what were we talking about? Where <laughs> where'd we leave off? <laughs> this another star. That was this is the North Star. Yeah, fuck that shit. WMAC Masters. <laughs> That's where the I don't know how many at. people did they blow up. No, it doesn't matter. He was a robot. How many people did they blow up, Jared? I don't think I don't think anyone blew up. But one guy has tiger pants. Okay, then. No, no, that's it. He doesn't that's look. It. He doesn't look no, tough at all. Oh, denied. wait. Bye. But Lucio, there was a Native American. <laughs> this is basically Mortal Kombat, like Nightwolf. Yeah, years yeah. There, there, there are a ton of like female characters too that I'm having trouble remembering. That years like... before Nightwolf uh, showed up. Um. Uh, I like how bored everybody looks in the picture. Yeah, they weren't happy like, to be there. <laughs> like, like, like the guy who basically dressed like um a, a, a Bruce Lee meets Scorpion. I think he had a girl who was like his uh his sidekick or something. Cause, cause you know he had like the gold flare pants and the the golden black shirt, and then uh and then you know his sidekick she had like little golden tassels on her boots. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> My guy was Red Dragon. That was his name. And he was like, he was supposed to have a lot of Asian lore surrounding him, but he was just a white dude. <laughs> and uh, he's actually, he's not in the picture I sent over. Red Dragon is uh, is separate, but I remember him because um, I had his action figure. And he's basically, it's the stupidest action figure. It's just a guy in a, in a red shirt and pants. Like, there's nothing unique or special about him at all. And yet... I loved him so much. Well, what about the guy that was basically like uh, uh, Guy or Rolando or whatever, which he had like the Bray and the uh, military pants? You remember that guy? Yeah, I think that might be the same. <laughs> I think that might be the same guy as the tiger pants. I think he's just wearing <laughs> tiger pants for this photo. Uh, oh man, yeah. There's yeah, uh, my, there's even a my, picture my... here where people have broken down which characters are Mortal Kombat characters. Nice. So there's a very strong uh, accusation that some of Mortal Kombat <laughs> stuff was lifted from this TV show. <laughs> or vice versa. 
I'm sure they uh, um, they were they were uh, airing at a time where they probably could have exchanged stuff with each other. Because when did the first Mortal Kombat come out? Like ninety three, something like that. Yeah. So it would have been after Mortal Kombat. So they definitely were like, let's get that Mortal Kombat money. And then uh, it probably looks like Mortal Kombat went back and was like, well, if they're gonna take our shit, we'll take some of their shit. Make a Native American character. Hey, I actually found a picture of my guy. Uh, that I liked. Send it. I want to see. Is, 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 I, I'm pretty sure his name was Tsunami. Oh yeah, and he looks like he looks like Raiden. <laughs> He's got the vest. In it. This is the Mortal Kombat 2 Raiden outfit without the hat. Yeah. If you put a fucking straw hat on him, it'd be done. It'd be complete. Yeah. You're right. It's crazy, man. This really invigorated me, guys. I just. Uh, <laughs> Between between this oh. and Cyberfrog coming back, I really don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that like you rejected everything Marvel and Fist of the North Star, but this is what this is what did it. Yeah, you yeah. found it. You found you found my thing. Uh, it's basically this and the Savage Lands uh, series. Um, <laughs> so speaking of Savage Lands, how about that new Assassin's Creed? Huh. Uh, uh yeah. Modern day Greece is pretty savage. I, discussing it. <laughs> I have a I have a fast question. This should be easy to answer. In or sure. in Origins, they take so long to reveal the modern day storyline that I just assumed God. I just assumed that they Thank were dropping God. it. I was like, oh, I guess they're not doing it anymore. And then after you get like three hours into the game, they're like, surprise, modern day story. Um my question is, is it the same here or do they get it like out of the no, way the modern, right day, the modern day story happens right away and i actually thought it was pretty creative and fun how they did it because huh. instead instead of a templar i mean she might have a link to the assassins i guess we'll find out later on but they just basically introduce her as a nerdy um archaeologist who got her hands on like a bootleg uh, or an earlier copy oh is it the same is the same chick what's her name uh it's, it's something hassan does yeah, it's so just some girl from Lord. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, there you go. Does Never she, mind then. Does she crawl around her mansion until her dad shoots herself in the head? <laughs> no, no, no. She's like, just hey, boot up the animus and let's get in. And um, I, I love that. that in in um, Origins, like at some parts in the game, it was like, you should go out of the honeymoon. Uh, you know, you've been there too long. It's gonna hurt you. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, to think I, I mean, I, I did kind of like I did kind of like how they interacted with like my difficulty settings because it's basically uh, 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 setting you up to you know hard and uh, and if you want exploration mode or if you want it to be more of a just tell you where to go um, and as you pick those settings like your assistant will come and like I picked her she's like yeah go hard and go home she's like you know how I like it rough I thought that was cute I thought it was like a nice little cute thing to do. So- in in origins, the story goes that she has a bootleg anime uh, animus that she's trying to find something with, and I fucking forgot what it is because it doesn't matter. But uh, at the end, Desmond Dad goes like, "Oh, Astargo's gonna kill you now. Why don't you come work for the assassins?" And that's how it ends. Yeah, uh, oh, I I didn't get that far. I guess this is the continuation of that. I didn't know uh, part of Greece was actually in origins. Yes. Very little, but yes. Oh, I didn't, basically... I didn't know that either. These games... Um, also, p- parts of Rome are in Origins, too. These games are too long. Like, they're all too long now. I don't... I used to be able to beat Assassin's Creed's no problem, but... 
I don't. I, 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 too well, old, Jared. Well, let me let me let me say that. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say because I have. I mean, I'm just now starting Odyssey, and by the way, I'll I'll just say I like it a lot so far. I did not play Origins, and so really, I have more questions for you guys, and I think you have for me because I don't know what was introduced in Origins, but everything that I'm playing so far, I really like it. But I think I think Assassin's Creed always locked logged in at like twenty to thirty hours and. Part of it is that we just got sick of playing Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh no, I ha- I, ha- I ended up Origins with like eighty hours. So wow. yeah, so that's the thing is the word is that Odyssey's about fifty. Uh, just to just, to be fair, I, I actually it. yeah I, I do think I low low parked it there because I'm pretty sure I clocked out of uh, three and Black Flag at about forty to forty five for both of them. Yeah, you could probably uh, spend that amount of time if you were going the completionist route. Um, you could fit three is short. You can finish three in like fifteen hours. Um, in fact, uh, from from like Assassin's Creed one, two, three, and then the Revelations and Brotherhood, I think they're all about that length, which is just about perfect because that's about the time where their shtick gets old. And Origins is like a minimum of thirty hours just to beat the story. And like, if you did any extra content, which you you will. Uh, it, it's another like 50 hour game. And I know for some people that's like a huge draw and, and they're like, oh my God, that's a dollar per hour, uh, which is a great rate for entertainment. And I don't, well, just, I won't dispute me, that. It's just not for me. I just, I don't want to play let, a game let, that let, let, let me put it this way. I think uh, uh, basically Assassin's Creed got used to a very specific formula for telling their games, right? And you would start with a young assassin. They're either they're, they're somewhere between the ages of a kid and a young adult, and um, you know they do basic, cute little. Like, oh look, they're they're one day this cute thing where they're climbing a tree or 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 going into girls' windows or whatever. That's going to become like an actual assassin thing that they use to kill people later on. Um, and then something tragic happens to them, like or family member or. A fellow assassin and they're like oh shit now i gotta go on the run and then i gotta link up with other assassins and rebuild them and then we're going to get our revenge and and free france and free america and free britain and free italy and, and free all the places that need to be free and um i you know i like that odyssey so far is taking a very different approach and yeah so far they're, they're like covering a, a bit of um you know, I chose to play Cassandra, which, as far as I know, there's no difference between uh, Cassandra and Alexio uh, other than, um, uh, you know, they are siblings, which sibling you play as and, and not kind of seeing the other one. Um, but uh, I, I like that it's kind of taking its time. You're just Cassandra right now. It's just kind of a, a, a story dropping you in when it's happening. It's like the Rick and Morty thing, right? Like stories should happen when they happen and not when they get interesting and you're just dropped in. Cassandra already has her life. You're already kind of learning, you know, how she's been living as a former Spartan now, just like living in this uh, uh, individual island and she's like a mercenary and a thug for hire. Um, and it's nice. It's nice that she has like actual relationships that aren't just um, whatever historical cameo they decided it is. It's nice that it feels like she's living in an actual small village on a small island. And uh, and there are flashbacks to her uh, childhood, 
But that's all they are. They're just like really quick flashback. You're not forced to play a stupid little kid assassin like you are in so many other games. This sounds, um, it, it, this sounds a lot like how they do Bayek in Origins. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's one of the strongest parts of the Origin is how they like... Bayek is already like a guy who's already been trained. And like, yeah. when the time you get your hands on him, he's like already able to like murder five people. Yeah. Like, and now, and, like and, thinking. And keep in mind, I didn't play Origins at all. This is fresh to me. And I really like that. And I think... I think part of that is just like letting the story unfold how it's got to unfold instead of like just rushing you through sequences and shit like that. Um, so I, I, mentioned, I yeah. like that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, and I mentioned before how uh, it impressed me in Origins, how like, you know, he has a wife that, you know, they, they don't kill her. Yeah, that's, and that's they're one attracted of the biggest, to each other. Uh, that's like the biggest twist ever. Uh, because as soon as you find out he had a wife, you're like, she's fucking dead. And yep. and somehow miraculously they figured out a way to have a <laughs> a main character in a video game with a love interest who doesn't have to get killed to motivate him. And who loves him right. too. Like they they actually like you know act like a couple. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, uh, they do couple things. And then the you know he also goes and visits like his cousin or some shit at the temple on the way there. You know. Yeah, he's like, he, like Bye, let's with go bowling. Kids. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that. He's <laughs> like, hey, Baya, can you help me be being Sekhmet for this festival? And he's like, yeah, sure. Cousin. Hey, cousin. It's your cousin. It's my cousin. <laughs> yeah, cousin. Mamma mia. Yeah. He just loves it. Well, in Odyssey, you, you're basically the, um, um, the, 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 the strong arm, the thug for a local kind of uh, corrupt business guy. And, you know, he found you when you were shipwrecked and when you saved the Sparta. Sparta. Um, and you've just kind of been his buddy all your life. And you could pick out a respond to him and all that. And uh, you look out for a homeless girl who's kind of in the similar situation you are. And that's kind of it. And I, 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 I like that, too, because I for for murdering a ton of people. I can't really think of a lot bunch of assassins who are criminals. Um so I like that aspect. I like that aspect that, you know, Cassandra's not this pure heroic figure right now. And um, it, it, she's only as much of a bastard as you want her to be. So, you know, you could do like the, the good thing and be like, OK, I'm going to forgive this debt. Or then you could be like, well, no, I'm going to fucking smash your shit up until you pay me. Or like, I'm going to fucking kill you and take the money off your corpse. Uh, so <laughs> that's nice. Too. So that's probably uh, that's probably the like newest thing in the game is mm -hmm. the the choice aspects and and kind of that that's the a, a lot of the rpg stuff that you're gonna see was there in origins um right but but the the like decision trees and stuff like that are are brand new do they feel like yep. they mean anything or are they just flavor they feel like they mean something so far um i wonder if they'll be far-reaching so far the effects are pretty immediate Mm -hmm. uh, like the very first one they introduce you to is uh, a guy named the Cyclops. He sends some thugs to beat you up and you have a choice to kill them or let them go. Um, and if you kill them, that's kind of that. If you let them go, they ambush you later, but they don't, you know, it's not very far down the line that they ambush you. And, and a lot of the stuff kind of seems instantaneous right now, like an instant reward. Um, it, it promises more long-reaching effects, but I, I, I wonder if anything's going to be more than, you know, short-term in terms of decisions for these. Um, we'll see. I, I, I do like the I do like the RPG elements. I do like that there's... 
Uh, I guess Assassin's Creed has always had a sense of timing to the combat, but in terms of how timing feels in Odyssey, it re- you know this is a, this is going to be like the worst. If it's anything like Origins, I think it doesn't really feel at all like the old games. It feels more fluid and more free flowing. And it reminds me of more recent action RPGs, like uh, uh, what From has done, and like uh, yeah. The Witcher and all that. And and I like that a lot. And and that's part of the reason I jacked up the difficulty because I'm like, oh, okay, the the fluidity. And the timing and all that actually supports a, a harder system. And it's like, you know, if I can do this in those other games, then I could do this here. And so I was like, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's jack this difficulty all the way up and and fuck some shit up. Uh, so I like that a lot. Um, I really like the I really like the RPG skill tree. It felt really arbitrary and syndicate, and here it feels more necessary and thought out. Um, and I think I just like having skills named after Greek gods. So <laughs> that's uh, that's fun too. Um, yeah, I I like it so far. I, I, I a, a big problem for me in Syndicate was the fact that uh, traversal was just kind of boring in there, and then uh, they just did not try at all to have any kind of uh, uh, real fun platforming or puzzles how they did in earlier Assassin's Creed games. And in Odyssey so far, Cassandra can basically stick to anything and climb up anything. But that doesn't put me off because I don't think that's the... They're not trying to make that the focus in Odyssey. In Odyssey, it's just like the shit that you can do in the open world that works well with the RPG mechanics. And it's like... Uh, you know, if you need if you need to climb a thing, you can do it and get there faster. But it's not the bread and butter of the game. And I think just like shifting focus like that was the exact right move, rather than make an old broken thing uh, work. Yeah, I agree. Movement, the the crux of Assassin's Creed is now, you know, like shoot a guy in the head with an arrow and see like a number come out, and the guy's fine. Like that's the game that we have now, and I don't really, I don't, I don't really like it. It's not what I like, um, but I know I, that it, I know that it's made a lot of people very happy. So I, I don't, that's good. I, I, I don't know how it worked in Origins. I know that there are very that the uh, definitely from Syndicate, the skill trees are a lot more refined, and that you can actually do freaky RPG feeling shit with skill trees now. So you have a skill tree that'll add poison to your uh, uh, assassin attacks and a skill tree that'll add fire to your bone arrow. And and like I said, the skills that are actually named for uh, Greek gods like Athena, Athena Sight and Hermes Speed and Nyx's Death whatever, all that shit has an actual real effect to it. And, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's actual magic or if it's a... Uh, an animus effect or whatever it plays well with the rpg mechanics um and i think i'm going to like it because i kind of like gearing systems i'm I'm over carrot and stick video games like people tried pretty hard to get me to play uh, monster hunter and i just i just couldn't invest in it but in terms of just you know having upgrades that uh help you be better at the game i'm i'm good with that (laughs) The new Monster Hunter is probably the, the lightest one in that sense, but not really. Well, that's yeah. good to know. Uh, it's 
probably the one that I like the most. And I play pretty much all of them, except for like Generations. I just didn't. Monster Hunter didn't really click for me either. I, I'm probably going to try on. You don't like anything, man. Just, just, just like, just. I don't know. I can't decide if I want to try this or not. Like, I really. Origins was okay, and I played maybe like 15 hours of it, something like that, maybe less. Um, and I just. I don't, I don't. I don't like punching like a cougar and seeing like a number appear. And I re- one thing that really bugs me is uh, if from the open world aspect, you can go pretty much anywhere. Like like right off the bat, you can go pretty much anywhere you want. And I'm sure Odyssey, this is probably true as well. Um, but you'll get it's almost like an MMO where you'll get leveled out. So like you can wander into like a cave on the other side of the world, but you can't even like stealth kill someone because they'll be just too high a level. Like even if you, no matter what so you do. I, so I have a thought on that. And I think the main thing is this, it's um, the Assassin's Creed that probably hit it's, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the crux was somewhere with uh, Assassin's Creed 3 and Black Flag. Like, Black Flag is probably the last time they did a really, really good job of making Assassin's Creed. And even then, that's kind of debatable. Um, and then it was all kind of downhill from there. And I don't know what if, if it's because they lost their, their key kind of above-the-line members. I don't know if it's just because the formula got stale. I don't know if it's because... Uh, I, I know uh, what had... I know what the problem is because it starts. Yeah. With, it starts with you. Like thing, things are a little dry around like the rogue timeline, um, but like where where the very first time everything everything went wrong was Unity, and mm-hmm. it's a really clear picture of just like that game's fucking busted. Like even yeah. even in the best case scenario, that so, game so that's is the next broken. thing I was going to say. Like I don't know if it's just these people don't know how to work with that engine. That they, they that they reached a point in creating that engine and then they just quit wanting to like iron out the bugs. Like like let's just keep making them and fuck whatever else we have to do to make this work. I mean the real the real issue is like they they started making them every year and you can't make a compelling game every year. Like you just can't. And it's like it's like when Chris Brown puts out a 36 track album. There's no planet where all 36 of those tracks are winners. And like, I'd rather have a 10 track album where everything's really good. Uh, but instead, Ubisoft kind of took this like other attitude. And right now they're in this like middle line where I think they're probably going to shoot for every two years. Which is maybe a little more reasonable, and it's probably why, I, you know it, it's uh, still it's still a recipe for disaster. But look, I'm going to say this: like I I I may because you reminded me of something else that's actually very important with the Assassin's Creed series, and I made I made a joke. I was like, you know, uh, uh, going to Greece without having to deal with the heat or the tourists or the going to Greece is great, a lifelong dream of mine. But the truth is, I'm actually in Greece, and and it it captures what. Uh, was kind of in three for me and what I was hoping in Black Flag, but by the time of Black Flag came around, they completely gave up. And that's that kind of like authenticity of being yep. in that historical setting. Like um, Egypt in, in Origins was very, very well done. They they yeah. do it does feel like they're doubling down on that as they go like forward. It's actually I think even more like authentic than the older games. Yeah, and actually yeah. I've I've heard that feedback for Odyssey too. Everybody who's commented on it has said that like there's really clearly a lot of attention paid to like accuracy in the maps and 
Um, and I'm really, really appreciating that. I'm like really, really appreciating having like uh, just running around this ground view of like ancient, ancient Greece, which is like a, an era that and in uh, uh, a country that I loved, and it's like you know, uh, which is the same thing. And and you know, I I I really honestly do think looking at Odyssey now, I think that's my big lead in as to which Assassin's Creed captured my interest because it's like. Uh, uh revolutionary uh america and then the golden age of pirates in caribbean um uh you know and um the borgias in rome and um finally like victoria uh victorian uh london i like all that shit sounds like great that sounds like a, a sandbox that i want to go in and play and unfortunately most of them have been disappointing but now i'm like okay so this isn't this is this is a place that i really want to go to and explore and that part of it so far has been really great and in fact the other the other big compliment i want to put in here is you can you know pick whether you go into more of a standard mode and then they have an exploration mode where you just kind of had to go on game hints and geography and using your little birdie to find locations you have to go in and just really exploring things and i think that's great in terms of any uh rpg kind of period like uh having you actually explore and feel your way around find location instead of just pointing you to them uh makes for a more kind of enriching uh, i'd say immersive experience and i think did that's, that's the, really cool did they keep the um, historical mode where you can just like tour stuff and like see the whole the history it's it's still there um i don't know if you have to beat the game to access it, but uh, that that that's here again. So, or maybe it's being patched in. But I know they've announced that like the game still has it. So, because it's actually a pretty cool like, if you don't feel like actually playing, but you just want to do something like for tire or something. Or uh, there was a there was a school that was actually using it. I remember reading an article about it, um, where they were saying like, yeah. It, it's it's actually served a, a use in our curriculum, and I don't know how much of that is true, and how much of that is like some fucking nerd history teacher was like, "Hey, I got a reason to bring the Xbox to work." Uh, I don't know, dude. I, I, I like I they really did use um, uh, Age of Empires and shit and Civilization to teach in my school. So yeah, I can see using that for. <laughs> I and you is, know what? I, I, it is very authentic. Yeah, I, I am like Oregon Trail. <laughs> I'm going to say this, that um, I think that's a great direction. I think when they came in with the very first Assassin's Creed games, up until basically three, uh, they came in, they were like, you're going to be in a historical setting and learn some history, damn it. And then by Assassin's Creed 4, they're like, hey, gamers don't want to learn history. They just want to be entertained. Just do whatever the fuck and say this is probably it. And that's what led to the next batch of terrible games where they just didn't give a shit about the history and like hey here's a cool area you idiots want to explore what does the history fucking matter at all just um so i think a return to the history i think the hit the history is something in particular that was unique to assassin's creed and no one else was doing and then ubisoft threw that out and now they're realizing no you kind of need that <laughs> so i would i would get behind that completely uh i think that that is uh the the doubling down on the history is a very smart move for the series and I just hate all of the RPG stuff that they're putting in it. Um, I think I think that them going to like an action RPG based on like basically like paperback historical fiction from the airport 
Uh, it's a good move. I, I like it. I like. I really enjoy Origins. I was pleasantly surprised. I bought it for uh, twenty bucks on when Toys R Us was dying, and then I got all the DLC, which cost me another thirty bucks, uh, and I didn't regret it. So even the DLC was good. Yeah, I mean it's fine. Um, it's just not really for me anymore. But like, it's been well received, and like, obviously, it's been a good change for the series. So. Uh, I'm, I don't think anybody at Ubisoft is, is going to listen to this and be like, oh, shit, Jared doesn't like it. Change it. <laughs> yeah. We got we to get on this. But well, you know, I, I, I will say this. It takes, it, I, I guess I was pleasantly, I'm pleasantly surprised, too. And remember, I'm being taken by the mechanics for the first time because, yeah, this isn't a direction they were exploring in Syndicate, but it's not one they committed to. In Syndicate, it, they were like basically surface elements that really didn't, matter in terms of the overall Assassin's Creed gameplay. And in fact, I, it, from what it sounds like and, and what I've experienced so far between Origins and Odyssey, the RPG mechanics are actually quite important. But in Syndicate, you could go into an area that you were way out-leveled and then uh, just exploit the shit out of it until you took it over. And I actually did that quite a few times, and that cannot happen in Odyssey. Odyssey, I do have to tackle it like an RPG. Um, and I think having that mindset that, yeah, I'm not playing an Assassin's Creed game how I was uh, like a, uh, a little under a decade ago, I'm approaching it how I might approach an action RPG. And I think just had, just just resetting my brain for that helps a lot. And to be fair, Jared, you don't want this to become like Final Fantasy 15 where you can just like hold a button and like dodge and just like beat no, the be, whole game by attrition that would be even worse that's that's definitely yeah. you're absolutely <laughs> right that that's the opposite of what i want it to do um i just i just enjoyed the series more when it was closer to an an action game and i right. would i would enjoy it uh significantly more if it kept a lot of the open world aspects but it even if they just took out the combat and the loot system and replaced it with something closer to like an Arkham game or or even like what Spider-Man just did. Like I know mm-hmm. that I know it's really reductive combat, but like I I can get behind it more. And like just to give you an idea, like I was riding around in the desert in Origins at one point and I don't remember what I was doing, but I was heading somewhere and then like walking across the desert there was uh some like guy in armor and he saw me and pointed at me, and then he ran over to me, and he like two hitted me, and <laughs> and I was dead, and I had to like respawn back in a village and like lose a bunch of progress, and that kind of shit annoys me. And I would have. I, I mean, that's that, that's fair. I I think for me, if Assassin's Creed were to continue, look for me, I I know that it's like divisive, and I know a lot of people didn't like it, but to me, the the height, the absolute glory of the Assassin's Creed series was Assassin's Creed Three. And I think it was a combination. Like, yes, I understand that the other game, the older games, are more puzzle based. Uh, I'm sorry, more stealth based. Uh, but three really felt sandbox based. Like the fact I can go into any fort on the frontier and then take it over how the fuck, however the fuck I want it. And I think I've actually said this on the podcast before. I thought that was great. And at the time, it was the most kind of open world I'd ever experienced. And now, of course, there's been you know uh, better than that. Um, but I thought that was great. And I think for me, in order for the Assassin's Creed sur- series to survive in that universe, 
they would have had to do something. They would have basically had to reinvent the series as the Phantom Pain. The stealth would have had to be a lot better. The open world would have had to be a lot more kind of open world. And it felt like it was impossible for Ubisoft to to be that creative with it. So, you know, if they just had to fill the formula out and try something new to keep it fresh, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's, that's fine. I'll settle for that instead. And like I said, this is, this is working and people are responding well to it. So it's just not to my tastes anymore. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I don't, I don't need to buy an Assassin's Creed game every year. Uh, I can buy a call of duty every year. And play through the incredible campaign. Oh, which is not there. Is that? Oh wait, <laughs> fuck. That's not gonna work either. Uh, yeah, good for them. Good for them for finally letting go and being like, ah, fuck it. Did I tell you? I, I mean, I uh, mean, Lucio, Lucio's right. There is worse in the world. There is Final Fantasy, and they're refusing to change. And then they just be like, well, we give up. Press a button, and you win. No, yeah, Final Fantasy 15 <laughs> sounds like a pretty huge bummer as far as. Um, you know the the gameplay itself, and so they announced they announced more uh, paid DLC this week to like flesh out more of the story, which is like okay, oh, come on guys, you motherfuckers, like you you didn't finish the game, and now like I, you're trying I, I to sell I, me the I other don't pieces. Get into it, but but look, can we I, like I really don't want to spend any time on this. Can we talk about the fact that uh, Square Enix blames everyone for their financial troubles except for the one guy who worked. 15 years on a project and spend millions and millions and millions of dollars and then still not be able to put out a product that's finished. No, Jay. Instead, they're going to give him another game. <laughs> what, is Remember, the, what, are, what is the version that just... There was a... I saw... I was in the store the other day and I saw Final Fantasy 15 on the shelf, but it was like it was like God Edition or something like that. What the fuck sure. was it called? Um... And I was trying to figure out what was in that that wasn't in the like boxed copy uh, that I'd seen before. Oh, here it is. What's it called? It's called. Nope. Can't find it. Um, I assume it a Royal Edition. Final Fantasy 15 Royal Edition. Do you know what's in that? No, I assume it has like the rest of the story that the, the second half of the game that didn't put in the original one. I mean, maybe that's what I want to know. I want to know what this is. Oh man. Remember when like Final Fantasy was good? Yeah, I miss those days. Those were the days. Although this screenshot with uh who is this? Prompto using a bazooka looks pretty cool. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, Square Enix tried so hard to ruin Final Fantasy that they actually had to go back and ruin the old games as well so that you can no longer enjoy them. You I know, mean, you got, you got is, uh, that. Final Fantasy 15 had a good like it could have been something great, man, and it just it just couldn't stick the landing. And I get the feeling that like whoever took over the project for Nomura just kind of like went like fuck it, I, I'm fucking tired of this bullshit. I want to push it out, however hey, I have to. Hey, but you can buy like a a cell phone version of Final Fantasy 15 now. You know that? That doesn't <laughs> sound like something that would be appealing. <laughs> it would be a bad idea. It would be a an unwise use of your time. Um, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm glad Final Fantasy, you know, because that's, that's humbling. It's like, you know, you have, you have like a Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which might be slightly disappointing compared to Rise or whatever. Then you have like Assassin's Creed, which is a, an action RPG, so a stealth open world game now. 
but there's still not Final Fantasy. I think that should be like a slogan. It's probably for every game uh, that comes out that like we're we're still not Final Fantasy. <laughs> it's probably I heard that. Uh, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say it's probably worth mentioning. By the way, I finished Shadow over the weekend, and uh, uh, was it? It's not good. Um, uh, and by the by the end, I was like, please be over. Like, there's a yeah. there's a part where you you talk to someone and it pops up the warning, being like. This is the point of no return. If you keep going, the story will end. And I've never hit X faster. I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. I was so um, done with it by the end. It, it just, and you know, it, it's, it's funny because I think part of my problem with Shadow of the Tomb Raider and their approach to it is similar to my problem with a lot of the uh, Marvel comics to bring this whole thing full circle. And that's the fact that they're like, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, Laura Croft, she's, she's not a hero. She's, she's a white colonialist. A rich colonialist, uh, and 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 a genocider, and and she kills people, and and she's bad. You so feel bad about being her and play her. You can and, tell and, that they want to do that, but boy, they never even come close to being able to successfully like demonstrate that. Yeah, that, well, like, again, that, like pointed out. With, like, um, you you didn't get to the uh, you didn't get to Paititi, did you? No, not yet. So you stumble upon this like ancient village. And uh, they ask her, they're like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Laura Croft or whatever. And they're like, and why are you here? And she's like, she's always like, I'm an archie. And then she's like, uh, I'm a researcher. And she like explicitly lies to these people. And then they, they'll go on about how like archaeologists always show up and ruin shit. They're uh, like, yeah, they oh, do that man. in every village, though. <laughs> And uh, they, they like go out of their way. But she fucking like lies to these people. And it kind of feels like maybe they're trying to make some kind of point. And like maybe there will be a scene where they find out her true intentions and they're like, you're no better than the rest. Or something. But it just never comes up again. Like she just. So again, again. I don't think she's worse because exactly she, like, like, def- she like, like blows everything up. And yeah, well, but- she blows a bunch of shit up. And then like there's a bunch of times where you talk to people and then you'll literally like steal an artifact that's right next to them after you're done. <laughs> Speaking to like you just wander into their house. It's like smashing pots in someone's house in Zelda, except it I, makes even less sense. I I still think that that makes my uh, Marvel Comics comparison even more apt because they'll do something. They'll take like they'll take like Spider Woman or they'll take like Captain America and be like, "Oh, you're not a hero after all. You represent everything that's bad about being a vigilante and, and representing America." And then and then they never do anything significant with that message, and it'll just be the usual shit. Uh, and I, I realize that's that is exactly what bugs me about Shadow of the Tomb Raider. That not only are they trying to push me to believe like someone who has been a hero in the past is like a villain, but they're also not doing it very well. <laughs> they they, they <laughs> can't they can't commit to it. They don't understand how to like how to make her unlikable or conflicted, but they want to. And yeah, you. I think you kind of said it uh, last time when you were talking about the beginning of the game and you were saying that it has some kind of like uncharted vibes and yeah. you didn't even get to like the parts where they're really clearly trying to do that. And they, A, mm-hmm. they don't have the writing chops for it and they, B, don't have the budget for it. And there are, there, <laughs> there are some scenes where like you can tell, you know, when someone recreates like a, just a really famous scene. So like here, here, here's... <laughs> Here's an example. Here, here's an example. There's a part in this where a character, and I, I'll try my best not to ruin it for you here, but uh, a, a character uh, gets separated from Laura, and 
uh, winds up uh, taking out like three bad guys, and it's very impressive. And the character stands up all proud and like looks at Laura and is like, I did it. I took out the three bad guys. And you already know what's going to happen next. A bullet is going to sail right through that character. Uh, (laughs) Because this is a scene that you've seen a million times in movies and in other games that are better than this one. And I don't really know how to adequately describe this, but like the mocap is is shitty. The voice acting is shitty. And then the animations are shitty. And like the music doesn't work with it. And so it just looks goofy as this like dramatic scene happens and this character dies. It's so dumb. It's just so fucking. No, funny. I mean, I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And look, I, you, since you mentioned the writing shots, it's funny because when I was playing it, I'm like, this has a really weird wannabe James Bond vibe to it. And I, I looked up the writer. I might have said this last week, but I, I looked up the writer. And she's actually the same writer of um, of Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry. And that might not sound like much, except for my review for Freedom Cry that I wrote years and years ago. I exactly say that Freedom Cry very much wants to be a low-rent James Bond, and it doesn't pull it off. <laughs> it's like the same shit again. It's like just just this, yes, they've definitely seen this as a better movie. For me, uh, That's that's more James Bond. And they just cannot hit those beats that, like you know, make James Bond good. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it just you. You can you can see it so many times in this game where they like ape off of other mediums and, and other more successful stuff, and they just yeah. they, they never. There's nothing that they nail, and it just gets, <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. There's there's a there's a linear chase through uh through Paititi through the native village that happens really early on uh, when you get there. Um, and like the, it's just, you can see how like they, they probably played something similar in Uncharted, but like Naughty Dog's budget is so different than theirs. And this just is like janky and like doesn't control right. And well, beyond Chris, that, like Crystal Dynamics had like a, a, a pretty great, uh, budget to work with this, uh, two major series. And then Square Enix was like, Hey, you're wasting all our money on these high, on these top selling games. And we need this money to get it to a guy who's not going to deliver any. It, it does. It does. No more like, needs uh, billions of dollars to start <laughs> games again. It, it does feel like it's been hampered in the uh, in the budget aspect. And, and by the way, that that thrilling chase uh, literally just starts at one end of the village and goes to the other. And like, <laughs> and and then when you get to the other end of the village, you just you, it immediately like lets you walk right back into the village and just be like, all right, well, you lost them, so head back oh. on head back on in and go talk to whoever you want. Oh well, womp womp. Uh, Better look next time, kid. It it's just it, it's it's not it's not good. And it really just gets much worse as you go. That's too bad. Uh, but that's 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 a shame to know. I, I guess I'll I guess I'll return to it because it is Lord Croft eventually and I did play the intro to Angel of Darkness. So if I can get through the intro of Great Angel of Darkness. I can get through anything. Okay, and, and so that's uh, that's <laughs> worth mentioning. That's worth mentioning too. That like, as much as I didn't really care for it by the end, like it wasn't bad. It just was never really good. And, and the big issue is like it's never better than uh, Rise or or the original. Uh, yeah, like pretty much in any way. There's there's no there's nothing that it does that is better. Um, and, uh, but having said that, it's still nowhere near the worst Tomb Raider game. 
<laughs> right. So yeah, it's going to take quite some doing. So yeah, there's there's some significant work that they have to do to uh, to even begin encroaching into the worst Tomb Raider, uh, you know, sections. Well, speaking of like the end of Tomb Raider, I really want to come back and revisit Assassin's Creed Odyssey on the uh, podcast when I get to the end of that because. Um, yeah, I'm very curious as to how the overall journey goes and as to how I feel in terms of how rich the RPG mechanics really are, and especially if they do some of the crazy mystical shit that they did in Origins, which I feel like might happen with uh, Odyssey between kind of, uh, you know, the skill tree and the DLC and all that. I'm... I'm like I'm like I'm like hankering for that. Like I I break so the they, Greek myth. They, so. they do have some mystical shit in Odyssey. I mean Origins. Uh, and they, they just suck it up to like uh, animal shit. Oh, and there's also. I mean that's DLC. fine. I figured that would be an excuse anyway. In the DLC, you like literally travel to the Egyptian afterlife, but it turns out it's like uh, one of the apples of Eden doing like weird shit. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm all that's, down for it. Dude. I, don't, I, I don't, I don't care what the excuse is. I just want to see no, no, it happen. All I'm saying is, you know, it, it, it is um, like. I mean, that was the third. There's definitely start, like a strong possibility that you will have mystical shit happen. Yeah, and I like, I'm, like I said, I, I really look forward to that. Like, I'm, I'm big, big, big on Greek myth. Um, so, so I'm, I'm really excited if any of that happens. Like at all i'm gonna nerd out so we'll see we'll see when i revisit it <laughs> no and even if not i mean you'll get assassin's creed 3 remastered so that'll be fun uh for me it might be uh and liberation liberation's getting remastered too so uh didn't liberation just get them remaster how many remasters does liberation need uh okay let's do it did they remaster it again uh, they had an HD. They had Liberation and then they did Liberation HD. Oh. So, um, the remaster will be different. Um, Liberation is really fucking short, so I hope they don't sell it for a lot of money. Well, so uh, you, you got like the special edition for Odyssey, right? Yes. So they're both included for you. So oh, sweet. You don't, you don't get any... I, I don't think they're planning on doing any Odyssey DLC. I think they're literally just... The season pass is literally just giving you three remastered and Liberation remastered. I that sounds fine to me. So you'll be I, you'll just get both of those as digital downloads. Liberation is like short and flawed, but I'm glad I played it. And three is still like one of my favorites. Like Brotherhood three, and then the half of Black Flag that have have to do with being an assassin. The uh, there was an interesting Twitter thread I was reading the other day where the original director for three was talking about if he was participating in the remaster, like what things he'd fix and what he'd do differently. And mm-hmm. he actually had some pretty good insight uh, into like why three didn't work and what really like went wrong with a lot of it. Because um, you wouldn't hate them. And it. Uh, and it was a little disappointing uh, to like see him say all that, and then see him be like, "Too bad I'm not working on the remaster." <laughs> like, it, yeah, it was just like I was reading all his ideas, and I was like, "Yeah, that is a good idea." And then he's like, "Well, hopefully they'll do something like that." And it's like, "Oh, you're uh, not, you're hit, not involved." Okay, hit, hit me with one real quick. What was one thing he thought could be done different? Uh, he had a good idea regarding uh, so a, a lot of the game's problem problems revolve around pacing 
And um, one of the things that he was talking about was... Hold on on one second, because it's funny you say that, because mostly when I... As much as I like 3, mostly when I was thinking about how Odyssey redid the intro, I was thinking about 3's very, very long intro. (laughs) Well, and so so funny enough, actually, the the little, like, fake-out intro is actually... Uh, for me, and I know it was like controversial, and a lot of people were like, "I didn't like it." Uh, but but for me, I actually kind of enjoyed that. Like, I like the Haytham the Haytham fake out is fine. I'm yeah. talking about the uh, inordinate amount of time you spend as kid and teenage Connor who oh. can't do anything. Yeah, so that's a that's a good example of of uh, some stuff that's problematic. One of his ideas that I really agreed with was he was talking about making uh, some of the frontier side quests uh, required. And having them occur like to break up the normal story um, because they wind up being kind of ancillary. And it, 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 I felt like what he was saying made sense. The idea of like peppering them throughout the main quest. Well, and it also works because the frontier is basically the best part of three. Yeah, that was that was a big part of it, too, is like it would just be good to like insert that stuff there um, to, to go along with it. I can't remember what else he had, but he had a pretty long Twitter thread where he was talking about stuff he'd do differently. And and like I said, almost all of it, I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Because um, I, I have to look into this later. I, I have my issues with three, but I don't I I, I, I I see the potential. You know what I mean? Like I, it could have worked. There's a lot of, ways I know, you know, I, I, I think I think there's a lot about three that is redeeming. Yeah, I agree with the pacing. I agree. Some of the. Even though it is the last properly historical Assassin's Creed, some of the uh, historical stuff didn't quite land. But I thought the frontier was amazing. I thought the homestead was amazing. I thought the ship battles were amazing. And when you consider all that other shit is in there, uh, you know, I can forgive some of the other problems. Plus the storyline. Yeah, I get I get like people hate the Charles Lee stuff and maybe that's not good. But hate them and Connor. That shit is like spectacular. Actually, yeah. Uh, here's. Well, if it were a part of the game, was here's the thread. The relationship. Do you want to hear some of his others? Sure. Sure. Uh, he said, number one, take the damage volumes off the fires in the final mission, so people don't fail it and finish the sequence with the bad taste. It's too hard for yeah, no real bad. reason. Uh, number two force the completion of the temple missions in the present day as they trigger instead of letting them stack up at the end I thought it would be nice to give players options but it actually just ruins the pacing at the end I didn't know you could do that actually I did all the temple missions when they came up you can ignore all of it Uh, let's see create a path to force more of the homestead side missions earlier they feature the charming fun and more human version of Connor that is not as obvious if you only play the main missions and ignore side content uh, right. and, and like the whole, I love the homestead. That's like the. So to build on that, next one is push more of the naval encounters in the main flow. Again, my preference for letting players engage with the content at their own pace doesn't work as well in a blockbuster. Make the masses play the cool boat missions. <laughs> uh, let's see. Somehow, yeah, I mean, you're right. All these are these merged with what I responded to the most in Assassin's Creed Three. And if people actually didn't touch that shit, which I wasn't aware that they didn't then I can understand the hatred for the game more. I like I it never once occurred to me people were like ignoring these great parts of Assassin's Creed. There are a lot of people who just like break through the games and just like drop them. Like I've been reading a lot of like stuff or like Spider Man where they're like, oh the game is only two hours long and I'm like you didn't do anything else but the story didn't you Right. Uh there's one in here that I that I like. Um 
Number nine, he wrote, finally admit that uh, today, years after it was released, it was okay to change the color of Connor's sash from the crimson red of Ezio and Altair to a nice royal blue, and that it really wasn't worth having seven two-hour meetings about. (laughs) (laughs) And that's pretty good. Uh, Let's see. He does point out something that I also agree with. He said, notice that we cast the fantastic... Uh, Noah Watts as Connor, well before the internet of video games gave a shit about respecting other cultures, and we have characters speaking historically appropriate languages plus subtitles in a blockbuster for a goddamn hour. Yeah. That was pretty fair. Uh, Yeah, and um, by the way, the other thing I really appreciate about uh, Odyssey is that, okay, no one's one's, uh, spoken Greek yet, but the accents are like, spot on which is like the first oh wow they bothered with accents in this game and they stopped doing that <laughs> uh and, and not that they bothered that not i mean the other games have accents it's just they're all very bad ones and they didn't care <laughs> that'd be something that i'd like to see the series lift from uh tomb raider actually uh so tomb raider has that immersive audio track yeah. that you can turn on where everyone speaks native like yucatan dialects yeah um and that's really cool uh, unfortunately, I th- it's kind of hampered by some like poor voice acting. Uh, but I I wouldn't object at all to a game just completely foregoing English uh, voiceovers in favor of like you know something something that's more culturally accurate. I agree, and I like that about uh, a Tomb Raider because I I felt like you know first of all yeah why would these people in uh deep in the jungles Peru speak english and then and also it all it made um laura feel a bit more skilled and educated like she's supposed to be right Hmm. it was a nice touch (laughs) at the same time though her voice track doesn't change and so like it is kind of weird that everyone understands her perfectly (laughs) she's just like yeah yeah I, where do I go from here? And they're like, oh, yeah. And you have some pretty deep conversations with these people. Like, you're not, <laughs> it's not little stuff uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you'll have to let me know if you go back and finish it. I'll be curious to see what you think of some of the dumber stuff that they do. Um, All right. Because, man, there's, there's, some, there's some goofy shit in that game that just like, again, like you can tell. It's funny because originally Uncharted was the series that everyone was like, they're stealing from Tomb Raider. And you can tell that, like, someone was like, let's steal from them. And then they just didn't do it well at I, all. I, uh, I think that there's definitely something to be said for, like, Eidos Montreal uh, trying to basically steal from from them as opposed to Crystal Dynamics who try to make something different. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I got to say this about... I, I was... I, I I would defend uh, uh, the Tomb Raider remake and uh, or the reboot and uh, Rise as being refreshing and different and yeah, original and, and and being like Tomb Raider and Shadow. I'm like, yeah, that's they're trying pretty hard to copy and shot it in Shadow. <laughs> they just they they and look, I'm not. I I know that I'm I'm on a podcast here with the anti Naughty Dog crew, but like they got just too much fucking money and too much budget and like all the mocap that you could ever dream of, and so like they can do these like big cinematic scenes, and 
somewhere along the way, Idos Montreal got it in their head that they could do them too, and they can't. <laughs> they don't have Naughty Dog bucks. Well, part of it is I also have to see what these vaccines look like, because don't forget, like, uh, uh, the first Tomb Raider and, and Rise both have these really, really fucking cool spectacle sequences. Um, and they pull them off well, and they're really fun to play. Um, so, you know, that's... I understand that as part of its DNA. Um, but like I said, the spectacle sequences I've seen in Shadow so far, I just haven't been impressed. Both, both, of, those games are, not... uh, both of those games are better when they're just letting you kind of do your own thing and explore places. And like, as, as an example, like the challenge tombs are the best parts of all three games, like without fail. And um, that that doesn't really change here. Um, but uh, the, the, the thing is, is when they when they force you into like these kind of linear like chase sequences or, or climbing sequences, like it just doesn't have the polish that that something like Uncharted has. And so like it's OK if you don't like climbing around a level in Uncharted, but like it's pretty indisputable that it controls way better than Tomb Raider ever does when you, when um, you do that stuff. But Tomb Raider I, I, offers you Tomb Raider offers you you know a lot of stuff that Uncharted doesn't like the ability to go anywhere and and you know collect. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Up great that shit. in in particular, I actually do think the climbing in the first Tomb Raider games is is far better than Uncharted because I don't like the uh, the linear approach Uncharted takes to it. If you fuck up in Tomb Raider, there's usually a way to recover uh, from it. But Shadow of the Tomb Raider is a lot more restrictive when it comes to that because they are trying to design them more like uh, Uncharted levels and where you do have to climb to a certain thing at a certain time so it falls apart exactly and very few chances to kind of recover and all that. Um, I, I do feel that that comes off, so I agree with that. I disagree that like in the in the other, that it's undisputable that the climbing is better in Uncharted than Tomb Raider because Tomb Raider there's just more freedom and approach I'll make, in the, I'll make the course in the first correction because what I just said is that the, the open world stuff and the exploration aspects work well the linear shit doesn't and so here's here's the one word I'll add to, to fix the sentence for you then linear climbing in Uncharted is undeniably feels better and works better than it ever does in Tomb Raider they don't have the, the chops or, or, uh, or skills to, uh, to put those segments together uh, I, yeah, I think that's. I mean, I think that's fair enough. Um, they feel janky as shit, and then and then on top of it, but, Tomb Raider has this this difficulty level that everybody praised, where they're like, you can you can set it to immersive exploration, and like I read all these articles where they're like, if you were really a Tomb Raider fan, that's how you'd play the game. I don't believe for five fucking seconds that anybody actually played through the game like that because it is miserable well, trying to figure out where to go and like where you can climb to. So, Everything's too dark to see anything. It's so crazy. here's the thing. Here's here's the thing. Uh, when I only when I had only played the opening, I would have agreed with you on that aspect of it, and I still agree with you that like the difficulties are are weird, and it's one of those weird games where like normal is too easy and hard is too hard. Um, and there's like nothing in between. It's like that's what you have to deal with. Um, uh, lore skills and and you know the skills that you can invest into and the gear that you can find it compensates for that if you pick the harder difficulty which the game does not tell you and you have to play for a good hour until you like you realize that 
And then you realize it's doable. But by that time, I'm like, I'm not, I'm still not going to bother with that shit. <laughs> but why would you, and I don't understand that either. Why would you turn off display markers just so you can buy a skill that gets you display markers back? You get what I mean? Well, like, I think that, that skill is automatic, but yeah, you're right. Like why would, <laughs> right. I don't know why I'd do that. Um, <laughs> it'd be like if early on they're like, choose the hard difficulty and all the, the dialogue is in Yucatan, which you don't speak. But then later on, I can learn a <laughs> skill where I learn it. Like I just, uh, just you can me, find the outbet books. Give me it from the get go. Uh, like, like, like in the, in the, uh, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 10, baby. Good one. Yeah. A good one that was not made by the guy who waste decades and billions Boy, that is, on making a game. You know, that is the one where everything starts to go wrong, though, because that's where Ten Two comes in. Where Hey, did you know Did you know that there was a, a Final Fantasy Ten Two Point Five HD remix Birth by Sleep? And it happens, you can look this up if you don't believe me, but uh, Yuna and Titus end up uh, stuck on a beach uh, surrounded by bliss balls and, and uh, uh, Titus, he kicks one of them and the bliss ball, it bounces back and it's a grenade and it, and it blows up his head. Um, what? And he dies. Is this real? This is real. I. Oh my god, it looks like it might be real. Boys, uh, is it, it's real. What the fuck? So wait, does he die anyway <laughs> then? Yeah. Well, that was pointless then. I thought the whole point was to save him. Uh, this is this is a very very real thing, and then yes, he does die. No. Um, I'm I'm <laughs> pretty sure some weird sex stuff happens with Yuna as well, and she might be pregnant with a rape baby or something like that. Um, but I I'm not so clear on that detail. I just know that uh, uh, Titus kicks a ball, a blitz ball, a grenade, and bounce off his fucking head and dies. The, uh, uh, all, all the wiki says about it in the reception section is it says, the novella has been received negatively by many Japanese fans. <laughs> no, shit. So uh, they didn't like it, it turns out. Um, but I guess it's a novel? Oh, no thank you. All right, I'm good. Um, the Matrix and Assassins from Zanarka invaded Pisei, carrying bombs that resembled blitz balls to eliminate the slummoners. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, let's see. Let's stick it. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm like bouncing around the wiki now. Yeah, this is uh, this is not where I expected to wind up today, and uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I, I don't know that this is for the best. This is actually Waka and Lulu made a baby. I don't. Okay, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I don't want to read any of this. Um, all right. Uh, so, uh, Lucio, you have a resounding recommendation for Fist of the yep. North Star. Jay, nope. I assume you have a resounding recommendation for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So far, so good. There you go. That's two resounding recommendations. You heard it here first on the uh, Enemy Slime podcast. Uh, so that's pretty great. Good job, uh, good job, All people right. who make games. All right, here, here, here we go. Before we close out, sure. uh, the galling ship airship breaks down, and Titus finds Yuna has gone missing after the storm. Uh, they try to return to the Besaid, Yuna and Titus get lost in a stormy sea and up shipwrecked on an uninhabited island that resembles uh, Besaid, or Besaid, I don't remember how you pronounce it. Yeah. They find two stone statues, one of which is revealed to be uh, one that someone called Kel, and another that Titus seems to slightly resemble Waka uh, 23. 
or twenty the twenty third, I guess, both pointing in a certain direction that leads them to an area where the village would be otherwise be. There is no village, only a dense forest. Uh, Titus hypothesizes they had traveled a thousand years into the past. They explore the forest, hoping to find a clue on how to return home. When a ball rolls towards them, Titus mistakes as a bliss ball and runs towards it while looking around for its owner. It explodes, killing Titus, and Yuna passes out from the shock. Yuna dreams of someone speaking to uh, speaking to someone who claims to be a cod and questions her regarding her relationship with Titus. Yuna describes Titus as an ordinary boy who she met one day uh, before she became a summoner and who she fell in love with during her pilgrimage. She is sad, her feelings cannot be fulfilled, but the god tells her he will cast a spell that will suppress those feelings up until the day she became a summoner, but not erase them with the possibility of them returning something were to trigger them. I've never wanted to die more than I do right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, great. We'll have to research this more and, and almost certainly read this novella. Uh, I, I always love it when I, when I bring up something on the podcast and no one believes me because it's too absurd to be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. This sounds like fan fiction. Like, it really does, but it's official. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, hey, if you enjoyed our podcast today, I think that you should go subscribe to us on, uh, you know, like iTunes, Google Play Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, go check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We're at The Enemy Slime on both of those services. And I think with that, we're going to be out. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to bring that up, but I didn't. <laughs> I got it.